It's good to be gathered this morning. It's good to be able to worship God. It's good to be able to study His Word. I hope this message this morning will be an encouragement to you. Help us to follow the path and the way that God has set before us. I mentioned last week that I started a study on looking at the subject of uh, walking in God's way on His path and going in the direction that He he leads us and guides us. So I want to share with you some more about that uh, this morning. And so we're going to look at a number of scriptures on this matter, uh, starting with some of the Old Testament. As I'm thinking about this, maybe next week I, I could do another part two, or I guess part three technically, because last week we got a little bit of introduction as well, uh, where we will look at that subject again just in the book of Proverbs as it stands out in, in the book of Proverbs. Before we get into our study this morning, Let's pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're gracious to us. You're loving. Father, you give us all good things. We thank you for our homes, our possessions that you've given us, the food that we have to eat, our clothing. We know that all good things come from you. Father, we know that you've given us great and amazing things through Jesus Christ, that he died and he rose again, and that you sent your Holy Spirit to guide the apostles and prophets in all truth to give us these holy words that we study in the Bible. We thank you for the Word of God from Moses to John. We thank you for all the revelation that you have given to your people. We ask your blessings upon us now as we listen to these things and consider your words that they take place in our heart and guide us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You think, look at the subject of walking. You think about walking. Why do you do it? You know, when it's hot this time of the year, I'm thinking I don't even want to walk outside. At least not in the middle of the day. In the morning, it's nice. I like it when it's cool outside. It was cooler this morning, and uh, I like my grass. I like it to feel like carpet and go out there and walk on it. And you think about the subject of walking. You hear about the health benefits of it. I mentioned that last week. In fact, in Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, seems to hint at that, that uh, walking and straightening the, and following the path of God, that there is healing in that and blessing in it. And you think about the subject of walking. Uh, what does it mean to walk with somebody else? You know, if you go over a walk with somebody else, what are you doing? Now, usually you're talking to one another. You're having a conversation. All right, and I think about that because that, that subject stands out here in our study this morning of walking with someone. And as the Bible gives us description, from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, we get a picture of walking, and it's walking with God. In fact, when you read about the Adam and Eve in the garden, it says God walked among them in their midst. It didn't really mention there that they actually walked with Him, but He came and He was among them. And so we often think about his manifestation with them and uh, maybe God in angelic form being there uh, with Adam and Eve. But then that theme continues on in the book of Genesis. And we start to read about those who are faithful and how they walked with God. The first one that's mentioned there is Enoch. Enoch walked with God. So what does that mean? He walked with God. And you start to read, you get the context there. This man is faithful and loyal to God and, and following his ways. And so Enoch walks with God. You go on a little bit further, book of Genesis, and you read about Noah. And you read that he also walked with God. He was a righteous man and one of whom God favored and provided a way of salvation, saving his family because he walked with God. 
We go on and we look at the example of Abraham, the great uh, example of faith in him that we follow in his steps. It says in Romans chapter four, we follow his path and we walk the way that he walks as Christians by, by trusting in God. And so we read about there in Genesis 24 and verse 40 that Abraham walked with the Lord, that he walked with Jehovah. We also see another reference in the book of uh, Genesis about Abraham and Isaac, that they walked before God. They walked before him. And so, in the, again, in the sense of following God's ways and his instructions. So as you look at that theme of walking with God, we got a little bit of it this morning from reading Leviticus 18, 1 through 5. And you can go back through and look at it. But the references there are, are, that are translated sometimes obey means to follow. And it says to, to stay in his path and to walk after him. And there's a very specific way. God has given us a path. He's given us a way to live. This is where you go. This is how you behave. And this carries over in the New Testament as we're going to see this morning. So it's, it's throughout the scriptures that God knows our weaknesses and he knows what we need. So he's given us a way to go. And in the Bible, this is what we read. In Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12, and again, you can add these other passages here. Chapter 11 and verse 22 and 13 and verse 4 say very similar things. But Deuteronomy 10 12 says this, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all His ways. So we walk, we walk in His ways. We hear that word way in the Bible when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying, I'm the road. That's the same word in Greek, same word in Hebrew. Those are the ways. This is the the path that you're going to take in life. And so you're to fear the Lord your God and to walk in His ways and to love Him. You love God, then you want to walk in His path, the one that He has set before you. It says to serve the Lord your God. How? This is how, you know, God knows our weaknesses. He knows we sin and we have faults. And then here he says, here's the path. You walk on it because you love God and you serve him. And you do so with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and the statutes which I command you today for your good. So all of God's commandments are for our good. They're not to be burdensome. They're not, God doesn't come up, God's not capricious. He's not making arbitrary laws to make your life harder. None of that is true. He's provided a path and a direction for you to go. And this thing carries on. Look at Deuteronomy 26. And so again, Moses notes here, as he has revelation from God, he says, Today you have proclaimed to the Lord your God, so they've made this agreement with God that they're going to keep His covenant, and that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes, His commandments, and His judgments, and that you will obey His voice. It's quite clear here what it means to walk in God's way. It means to keep His commandments, to stay on that path. Also today, the Lord has proclaimed to you to be His special people, just as He promised you that you should keep all of His commandments, and He will set you high above all the nations of which He has made in praise, in name, in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as He has spoken. And so again, this is what God has intended for His people. Here's the path. The path is to obey My commandments, to walk in them. All right, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15 through 16, we'll see it again. There's other passages that I could bring to your attention, like Exodus 16 and verse 5. Again, this is so much throughout the Old Testament. I'm just trying to be emphatic right now to show you where the Bible begins and what direction it's going and what God has provided for us. So Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 16 says what? It says this, See, I've set before you today life and good. You can take life and good, or you can choose death and evil. 
And then he says, and then I command you today to love the Lord your God. If you love the Lord your God, what are you going to do? You're going to walk in His ways to keep His commandments, His statutes and judgments that you may live. That's what God wants for us, to live. To live, God to, his full, to live life to His fullness. God has given us these commandments. He's given the path and direction that you may live and that you may multiply. That you may have children and they have children and so forth. That you grow as a nation. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land in which you go to possess. Why? Because you're walking in His path. You're going in His direction. You're listening to Him and you're following what God has given to you. So God has set the path for our steps in life. And we see it in the Old Testament and you're going to see it in the New Testament as well. It's so clear as we noted as well from last week when our study of Ephesians chapter 2. But do you trust His directions? Now some people come to God's direction and say, these are too hard. I, I can't keep this. What does the Bible say about that? You know, Jesus does say that the, the way will be difficult and the way is narrow. And we'll see more about that in a minute. But there is no other way. Today, as Christians, we have this instruction from Christ when Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is saying, I'm the road. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. You can't come to the Father by any other road. The only road to Him is through Jesus Christ. It's the only path. The world will tell us, well, you can go this direction and this direction. You can go however you want. You can change and alter things in the Bible, what Christ says. You can go off into other religions and still find your way. They'll say all those things, but they're not true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the gate. He is the path. We see the words of Christ further as He emphasizes and teaches the same theme in, as coming into the New Testament. In John chapter 8, verse 12, in the Gospel of John, Jesus taught, as He spoke to them, He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows Me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You're not going to walk in darkness. You know, I know that sometimes um, we have a full moon outside. You can see pretty well. when you're, There's no other lights around. You can get, get around pretty well. But you think about a new moon when there's no light. To walk around in darkness. A lot of us have been in a very dark room. Or you've maybe been in a cave before. Or you've ever been on vacation or something like that where you can't see your hand in front of your face. You don't want any part of that. If you were to walk around in that kind of darkness when there's dangers all around you, you know what's going to happen to you. You know the devastation, the end that's going to come to you. And Christ says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that provides a path. He says, he who follows me. In other words, he who follows after me. He's not going to walk in that darkness. He's going to follow the light that I set before him. Here's another part of that theme that we see here. In John 11, verses 9 through 10, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day. In other words, if you walk in the day in the way that has been set before you, set by Christ, uh, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And so people manifest the way that they, they're living. If they're not, have no part of God, no part in Christ, what are they going to do? They're going to walk in a different way. They're going to walk in a way of darkness. They're going to show that they're not actually following after Christ. As I was thinking about this study this week, I was thinking about the times in which uh, Jesus had called His disciples to follow after Him. How they walked with Him from place to place. And they were with Him. And that is a, a great picture of how we should look at the Christian life. That we are walking with Christ. That we are walking with God. That we are conversing with Him. That He's communicating with us through His Holy Word. And that we are speaking to Him in prayer. We're walking with Him. 
So as you look at your life this morning, I encourage you to think about that. Am I walking with Him? Am I following His path and His commandments? Am I talking to Him? Am I praying? Am I listening to His instruction and His guidance? Am I doing those things? One of the things that comes to my mind here that that gives us a picture of that is over in Luke chapter 24. So I want to read that. I want to make some brief observations there in Luke chapter 24. You remember Jesus has resurrected from the dead. And word has gotten out that the tomb is empty here in Luke 24. And you have two disciples who are, who are walking down to the road of, um, to Emmaus, to this town outside of Jerusalem. And we read beginning in verse 13, this is what we read. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And so it was while they, were, that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. All right, so Christ is he's traveling, uh, coming up on the road. These two guys, uh, two disciples, they're conversing over these things that have happened. Here Jesus is resurrected from the dead. And I see a little humor in this and what Christ does and the way that he reveals himself to them. And it shows a lot of, of who he is. Look at verse 17. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have one another as you walk and are sad? They're in sorrow as they're walking and talking. And he wants to know about it. And then one of whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? Don't you know what's happened? Everybody knows this. You, you should know why, what we're conversing about and why we're so sad about these things. And verse 19, and, and Jesus said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And we were hoping that it was He who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find His body. They came saying that they had seen visions of angels who saw He was alive. And certain of those who were with us went, certain ones who are with us, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, this is what Jesus says to those two disciples, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You know, I think about today what it would be like to actually walk with Christ. What picture, what would that, that be like? Now, we walk with him as Christians every day. We converse with our Heavenly Father. We hear the message from Christ and from our Father, from, from the scriptures. We have that relationship, we have that walk. But to think about actually walking with Christ, what conversation would Jesus have with you? You went on a walk with him today. What would he say to you? What would he talk about? I make the case to you, at least he would be, you would be talking about this, if not so much more. 
But Jesus joined the two on the road. And what does he discuss with them? He could have changed the subject to anything else, but he talks about the mystery of his empty tomb. He joins them. And what does he reveal to them? He talks about the scriptures. He talks about what's been fulfilled. He talks about how he has fulfilled those things and who he is, the Messiah and the salvation that he has brought and the hope of the resurrection to come because of that that's taught in the scripture. And so, and yet the disciples there in the text, they don't know Jesus yet. He doesn't reveal them yet he, he, to the disciples until they go into the city of Emmaus and they sit down and he breaks bread and they realize who he is. And he disappears from their eyes. And then they go immediately back to Jerusalem and tell all the disciples. And while they're doing that, Christ comes to them again and He appears to them and appears to all of them. But in this, Jesus did this, this mission with them. Of all the things He could have taught and things He could have said, He taught them of the Gospel. He taught them of who He was, what He fulfilled, what the Bible had said about Him. And He taught them all the Scriptures concerning Himself. You know, that would be the bare minimum of what I would expect to have from Christ and walking with Him. He would give us that instruction. He would set us on that road and on that path as we got to talk to Him. That's an amazing thing to think about. I think about these experiences that disciples had in the Bible, and I don't know if jealous is the right word, but I guess zealous is. I would love to have been there, to have a part of that, to have traveled. But now I have the same blessings through Him. So as we look at this, uh, this subject, and we look at those walking with Christ, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to walk with God? What's the, what would be the point of that? What is the point of living the Christian life on that path and on that journey that's been set before us and keeping His commandments? Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, remember in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14, He says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. So Jesus warns, don't go off the path. As last week we looked in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-3, through 3, we read about that we once lived in our sins and trespasses and walked in a way of darkness. The word trespass, you know, you usually think of walking on somebody else's property. But trespass literally meaning in Greek to get off of where you're supposed to be, to get off your property and to go the wrong direction. It literally means in Greek to fall off of, to go away from. So because... Christ says right here, don't go that way. Don't go the way of destruction. Don't go the broad way. Don't take the highway. Don't take the interstate. Do this. Go the narrow way. He says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are fewer find it. So that same thing that's throughout the Scriptures is again implemented to the Christian life. And God says, you walk the path. Now what does that mean? You know, what do we do with that? Is it just meaning, okay, yeah, I got a relationship with Christ. You know, I'm in fellowship with Him. I read His Word and I pray and I keep His commandments. But is that all there is to that idea of walking? There's more to it. You know, and many people will come to this and they'll say, okay, if walking is merely keeping God's commandments, I failed at that. You know, I've, I've, I've sinned. I have trespassed. I've done things that are wrong and in error. And so many people make this excuse. They don't come and they're not faithful to Christ. They're not committed and devoted to the church. They're not in fellowship with other Christians. They're not studying their Bible. And they're not doing these things. They're not listening to the teachings of Jesus and sharing the truth with others. Why? Because I just can't keep up with it. I just can't do it. They make that excuse. And here's the great thing about walking in the path of God. God gives you the commandment because you can do it. Because you can walk in the path. He wouldn't have given you a commandment you couldn't keep. At least not in regards to walking in the path. That you can do this. That you can live in this, this way. It reminds me of this passage here. Remember in 1 John that we read about in 1 John chapter 1 about walking in the light. 
Again, an echo of what Jesus had taught. Listen to what John says. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. A lot of people today say, I'm in fellowship with Christ, but they live a different life. And they're not practicing the truth. They're not walking the path. He says, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so now we see the extent of God's grace. God says, here it is. I put the path before you to follow Christ, to walk with Him. And even though you sin, your sins will be washed away if you just stay on that path. You keep walking in the light. I say these words this morning because I think about this as a warning to those uh, who've gotten off of it or may get off of it, to all of us, that we want to stay on that path and to walk in God's grace. That we, that we realize that, yeah, I make mistakes and I, uh, we sin. There's not a man in here who hasn't stood up here today who doesn't sin, who hasn't made mistakes. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody who can get up here and stand and preach, present God's Word or stand at the Lord's table who hasn't sinned. Well, what sets us apart from the world? It's a state of repentance. It's a state of walking in the light. That's what makes us unique. You see, if we say, you know, make the claim of being righteous on our own, we're self-righteous and we're hypocrites. And the Bible condemns that. Read the rest right here in 1 John 1. And we see this verses 8 through 10. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're just lying to yourself when you say that. And there are people that do that. They, they, They pretend to live the life where I'm doing it perfectly. But here's the thing. The message here is quite clear. I can walk in the, in the light even though I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to sin. But I want to stay on that path of God's grace. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to continue to walk in that path. I used this illustration before and I heard it a long time ago from uh, my youth minister and... Um, it's the idea of standing under the waterfall. You've heard this. You know, someone can stand outside the waterfall and they cover themselves with mud as an illustration of their sin and they're just covered in it. But you stand under the waterfall of God's grace and you pick up mud and put it on you and it just washes off. We want to stay, continue in that path. We have the continual washing of the blood of Christ and His grace. And then the verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. We make him a liar and his word is not in us. We're speaking against Christ. You go a little bit further into chapter 2 and look at verses 4 through 6, 1 John, and it says this, He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected or completed in him. And so we know that if I walk in the path, God's love is completed and perfected in me. And by this we know that we are in Him. Who He says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. Now that theme carries on throughout the rest of the text and there's more to be said on this matter this morning. But I think, I think this makes a difference in the way that we look at life. We look at God's grace. You know, some people think, well, you know, I had all these sins, I became a Christian, I was baptized, and my sins were washed away, but then I started again and I messed up, and I wandered off the path, and then I just give up. My encouragement to you is never to give up, to continue to walk in the way, to trust in God's grace. You might be struggling with sin this morning, something uh, in your life. You've been 
wrangling with it for a while, I urge you, don't get off the path. Stay on it. Keep God's commandments. Listen to Him. Pray to Him. Turn to Him. We get lost again when we take a path that you know, looks the right way, but it isn't. And as the world's going to tell us, it looks the right way. A few years ago, with my wife, we went up to Black Mountain, which is outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And I got up one early morning, and we were in a cabin there, and it's on the side of the mountain. There's no air conditioning in the cabin or anything, because you don't need it up there. Uh, but I remember at 6 in the morning, nobody's awake, and I thought, you know, this is the only time I'm going to get to hike to the top of Black Mountain. You know, we're already halfway up anyways, or most of the way up. So I got up early in the morning, and I walked, and I hiked two miles to the top. And I got to stand up there and look all around at the, you know, the, the Blue Ridge Mountains. It was awesome. And to be able to stand around and, and see God's beauty. But then, you know, coming back down, one thing about hiking up a mountain is all the paths do what? They come together till you, till you get to the top. And when you go back down the other way, there's a lot of different ways, divergent ways to go. So, I don't think I ever told Rachel about this any, either. I didn't tell anybody because I was a little embarrassed. But anyways, you, know, you hear about people hiking out in the mountains and getting lost and so forth. And, uh, and, I'm, and, you know, and they give you warnings too. Don't go by yourself. But I did. And coming back down the mountain, I remember at some point everything just started to look different. You know? Everything's looked different. I don't remember this path. I don't remember this direction or how I got here. Uh, but I did know this. I looked up at the sky and I could see I'm traveling south. It's a little bit south um, west rather than southeast like I was before. But I'm generally going in the same direction. And so I thank God because I didn't end up on the other side of the mountain or end up in some bear's den or anything like that. But I did get down to the campsite. And I remember showing up uh, when I thought it was going to be a two, three hour hike. It ended up being like four and a half hours. Showed up at the cabin. Nobody ever knew anything. They're just like, where have you been? Just, well, I just went for a walk. But uh, you think about when that, that and to me, that's, that's often been a reminder of getting lost. Every time I get lost, I like to, to, to never admit it. I'm not lost. I know what direction I'm going. Um, this morning, I encourage you, if you get lost, you get off the way, seek some help. Sing some guidance. Don't do it alone. Uh, be aware of what direction you're going. I encourage you this morning to, to walk with God because you want to. Do you long for it? I long to be with Christ. I long to be with God. I want to live in His Word. I want to pray with Him. I want the continual washing in the blood of Christ. I want all the blessings that we read about this morning about being close with God and walking with Him. And I encourage you, I hope that you feel the same way. I love this passage here in Proverbs. There's a lot in Proverbs along this line. But listen to this. Proverbs 3, 5-6. through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You've probably heard this. A lot of you, it might be your favorite passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge Him. All your ways and every road you give acknowledgement to God. He will make straight your paths. Trust in God. Turn to Him. You've gone off the way, come back. And the way it begins, the Bible even tells us how it begins. It begins, having confessed our faith and died to our old person, we're baptized, and we're united with Christ, it says that in Romans 6, verses 3 through 7. And then, like Christ rose from the dead, we rise, and it says there in the text, to walk in newness of life. You walk in a new life, in a resurrected life, 
And it comes with all the great blessings of our Creator. I encourage you this morning, uh, accept the blessings and the grace of Christ. Walk in His ways, in His path. Understand that this is the way that God has set before us. We encourage you this morning, you haven't obeyed the gospel, do so. You've gotten off the path, come back. Let's stand and sing together.